Blog Talk Radio. This is Creativity in Play. I'm Pete Albert. And I'm Mary Alice Long. You can find us online and be notified of future shows at creativityandplay.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Creativity Play. And download archived editions on iTunes. Our guest today on Creativity and Play is comics artist and educator Nick Susanis. He's a postdoctoral fellow in comic studies at the University of Calgary right now. And in 2014, he received his doctorate in education from Teachers College at Columbia University, where he wrote and drew his dissertation entirely in comic book form, believed to be the first of its kind. Uh, His dissertation has also recently been published as a book called Unflattening, and it argues for the importance of visual thinking in teaching and learning. Nick Susanis, welcome to Creativity and Play. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Great to have you on, and uh, Mary Alice and I both have very much been enjoying uh, looking at your book, and I was just thinking right before we went on, as I was looking at it again, I don't know what the average length of a Traditional PhD, I guess, Mary Alice, you could tell us, uh, maybe 100,000 words or something. I was just wondering, like, was this harder, do you think, or easier, or a little bit of both, depending on how you look at that question, to produce uh, yeah, such, a, uh, such a document? Um, I think it really depends on how you look at that question. Um, I don't, you know, I mean, for me it was harder, I think, than to have done just text. Um, you know, I spend... I feel like I could spend up to three weeks drawing a page and figuring out how to draw a page and then drawing it. And I don't know in typing if that would have been the same, but, but I think they're so different. There's just such, you know, the paths diverge so much from, from thinking in text to, to having the visuals push you in very different directions. So it's hard to answer. Well, well, tell us how this came to be. You were at Columbia university at teachers college and, a well-established, some, I suppose would say, traditional institution because of its longevity. And um, I know that you worked with uh, Maxine Green, who was your, your mentor there at Teachers College, who has been a longtime advocate around the topic of creativity and imagination in learning and education. Um, so you, I, I gather, were fortunate to have such a mentor, but that doesn't necessarily translate into saying yes to publish a dissertation in comic book form. So tell, tell us how this came to be. How did you go from being a comic artist to graduate school and publishing this? Yeah. Um, so I came back to, you know, when I came to Columbia, I had done, uh, back in Detroit, um, I had done some long-form comics uh, around uh, games and art and education. And um, that piece, when I came for my sort of, pre-interview or whatever you call it, I said, this is the kind of thing I want to do in school, you know, in as my work. And this is the way I think I can bridge public and academic count, uh, discourse. And um, so I came in saying that this was my plan. So I think it's my, my main advisor, Ruth Vins, and, and some of the other folks, and, and of course, Maxine. Um, I think it was no surprise to anyone. So it's not like I got there and said, well, you know, this would be neat. So so I think they expected it to come. And then from really the first day that I got to school, I, I had Maxine's class uh, that was held in her living room. Um, and I made a comic about her in that first class, which uh, 
uh, which spawned a conversation between us, which I'm really grateful to have had the six years I was there. Um, so, so I mean, like I said, I, I came in saying this is what I want to do. They, I think that I hit the right time in, you know, in the time in history where comics and education are being embraced much more. Um, and then along the way, I just kept making comics and sort of making the argument through the, the comics I was doing and the teaching. I also taught a class on comics and education at Teachers College. Um, so I think that those things sort of built the argument for me that I was already on that path. And so it, it, was, never, it was never the battle that I think people on the outside assume it must have been. Yeah. A, a good example that creative things can happen in seemingly traditional and uh, happen every day and probably lots of classrooms. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, maybe I'll say a little more on that. I, I think partly I just didn't know any better, too. I, I'd been out of school for a while, and um, I just figured, you know, there was plenty of examples of smart comics from, from Mouse to Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics, and and I could go on and on, um, that were out there. So it's like, you know, what, what's the big deal? And it, it's not really till I got into school, not, not that I faced so much resistance in, in my own school, but that I saw that this was, this was challenging the academy in a ways that, that people were hungry to be challenged, but hadn't been done as much as, as we'd like. So my work, it ended up becoming much more about itself than I think I initially imagined. Um, much more, you know, as you read the description, you know, sort of an argument for visual thinking in comics and teaching and learning. Um, you know, I think it, I didn't know I was going to have to make that specific an argument, but um, but I think I'm glad I did, and I hope that, you know, the next time around uh, somebody can just do it because why not? Um, yeah. Nick, I um, we were talking before the show about a number of things, but one of them was that you were a little, oh, not certain about the just the audio portion because you said, gee, I'd like to be able to see you and talk to you in person while we do this interview. And um, one of the questions I have or came to me as I was playing with your book is that it seems to me that when we say words like research and comics and education, they're words mm-hmm. that separates from community, but yet your book leads me right into thinking about people and community and social issues. And so I wonder what you have, you know, what you can tell us about the link between your words and visual narrative and community and how, how that pulls us together and helps in education. Yeah. Um, well, I made a, a real conscious choice early on um, to take out a lot of words that were either discipline specific or or sort of academic specific or or even I mean like it's very clear I think to most readers that this is about education and schooling, but those words never appear in the whole text. Um, and and so I got I got this idea. I had done political comics as well before before embarking on this. And I, I, part of my goal in making those comics was how could I make something uh, that people would read on either side of a debate, but actually read it and not just, you know, one team cheering for it and the other team dismissing it. Um, so I felt the same way about doing this dissertation. You know, if, if you say the word schools, I think people have a strong opinion going on. You know, you say, oh, and they'll say something about teachers or something about it. They'll say something. But if I could keep it in metaphorical language and keep it in, both both verbal metaphor and the visual metaphors that I use throughout the work, um, 
I felt like I I could engage people in their place, um, and they could come to it from the perspective they had, and then stay with the work. You know, could stay with the work and and really take something from it, and maybe get exactly what I'm after, but but get their own thing out of it. Um, so I feel like it became a way to sort of instead of sort of dumbing down an argument, a way of of letting an audience come up to the argument. If that all makes sense. Yeah, and then how did you you did research? So how did you do your research, both in terms of your drawing and also um, with you have a various notes in the back of your book? And how did you how did you go about that process? Um, well, I mean, it's I mean, I read a lot. <laughs> uh, I read a lot, and I read a lot. Um, but I but I think the maybe the key thing in there. Um, you know, speaks to how the drawing influences the research and the research influences the drawing. And uh, I think in, um, you know, in, when you asked the question at the beginning about the words, sort of a word dissertation versus a picture dissertation, and I think a, a big difference is that this is not a document where I wrote it all and then I came up with pictures to illustrate it. This is something where I read lots, I sketched, and you can see in the back of the book, you know, you see sort of these word and picture sketches where I'm getting, or I'm thinking about ideas. And and so as I approached each page, you know, I'd have some idea I wanted to tackle, and I'd have whatever research that sort of spoke to me about that. And then I'd have some visual schemes that sort of, this is a way to embody those ideas. Um, and then in the interaction of those, um, very frequently it would push, the, the drawings themselves would push me to say, you know what? you need to know more about this or I didn't think of this, but I think I'm going to have to go start doing more research. So there's, there's many examples. There's some stuff about Copernicus and uh, mathematicians working in the Arab golden age that, that were not nowhere in my notes, nowhere. There's nothing about what I did that said, you need to go research that. But the very way that I did it, the way that I used the drawing to generate ideas to generate where I went with the research sent me on these these journeys that were really unexpected. Um, and I think it makes it a richer work, and I think it's a really good uh, metaphor for what education can be when you sort of encourage those other modes. Um, you encourage those other modes as part of learning. It, it, it sends you in directions. It really opens directions for you rather than, than narrowing them. And so it's a, it's a dance. That's between a beautiful words way of and visual. Yes. Yeah, dance between idea and words and visual and you know and the composite. Yeah, I think that's that's exactly right. Uh, I had made the connection yesterday when I was at my 11-year-old daughter's classroom where they were presenting research that each student had done on an animal that they chose an endangered animal that they then illustrated um, and presented the research that they did in a poet poetry form and did illustrations cool. to go with each of those. I hadn't made the connection at all to our conversation today until you were just describing your process and the research and the drawings informing the questions and the writing and vice versa. That That's probably a little bit what this might look like in a fifth-grade classroom. Uh, and it, it also got me thinking about, I know you've now taught um, a couple of classes at least, probably more, and, and workshops on, on this idea of comics as a way of thinking and, and a way of doing what, what you just described you did yourself do you have any stories of what this has looked like in those classrooms? I, I think particularly with college age students that you've been working with um, as you 
engage them in the process of using comics and visuals to learn differently. And a lot of these people, I believe, are also teachers to be, so what it might look like when they're thinking yeah. about this from a teacher standpoint. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I mostly have taught uh, either educators or large groups that are, you know, educators and tend to self-describe as non-artists. Um, and um, I think, you know, from, from day one of the courses I teach, taught at Columbia, um, I, uh, you know, we, we started making comics and we, you know, and started doing drawing things. And I think what's really exciting is that it, I mean, you just see from the beginning uh, that it opens ways of sort of organizing their thoughts that they've either forgotten about or, um, uh, you know, or haven't just never had a chance to explore in their lives. And I, I think, you know, this is not a group that's necessarily going to go on to be comics makers at all. But I do think that they start to integrate that way of thinking and that way of you know, just how do they, how do you reflect on your own thinking and what sort of new possibilities open up when, you know, you're not, you're not constricted to lines um, and you can, you can tap into something that a visual does that a word doesn't. Um, so I, I, you know, there's some great visual examples of it and I'm always kind of astounded by what people who, you know, they say, well, I can't draw anything, but yet, they've they've made sense of their day in this way that's that's really beautiful and i think really uh powerful to their own life experience what i'm wondering too um about you were talking to before the interview about the possibility of pacing while we did the interview or i do a lot of movement i don't sit through during the entire interview and <laughs> i might do make funny faces or stretch or whatever and so um I um I wonder about your your process during your drawing and your writing because many many artists and writers we have different processes of how we do this. So how do you go about drawing and what can you tell our listeners about um or help them to see, you know, different ways that they might go about drawing that um to get started. Yeah, I think um one reason I was so pleased that we were able to include some of my like initial roadmap sketches at the back of the book is because at least like this is my experience thinking about a musician or something else. But but when you look at an artist and you're a non-maker, I think it tends to look like magic. Like this thing just appeared on the page and it's I like it and uh -huh. whatever. But you know you don't all you don't see all the thinking, all the mess that went into it. Um, so I was really, like I said, really pleased to to include that that those sort of my how I found my way, um, and I I think I talk about this in the fourth chapter. But um, a very important thing for me is is when we when we start taking thinking out of our heads and we make marks on paper, you know, all of a sudden your visual system, which you know we know is doing amazing amount of processing of information every second. Um, all of a sudden, that's part of the sort of feedback loop of your thinking, and and so for me, you know, I make these, I make, I write words, I make pictures, and so you know, there's there's no there's no answer to which comes first. They come as they come, um, but those words and pictures and diagrams of how the page moves, um, it, my visual system is playing with it. My hand is moving over it, so there's that action as well. And I, I think it allows me to see connections between ideas and connections between the sketches themselves where, 
you know, I might make such a loose sketch and have meant to be it, have meant it to be one thing, but in, in looking at it, I realized, oh, this could be something else or this could merge into this other idea. So for me, that, that space, the sort of sketching space, um, is a, is really generative in how, you know, the words, pictures and sketches talk to me. And, and, and I think your word dance was beautiful. I mean, I really feel like I'm, I'm sort of part of this dance, but if I trust, I trust my eyes and to keep playing with it that it'll take me somewhere I don't expect um uh, the the flip side of this is like the final drawing the sort of more technical side of it and that that's a different part of the process um once I sort of know what it is I'm doing but um but the generative part is the most exciting to me Mm -hmm. and it's very uh it seems very non-linear and the other thing is I noticed a lot of open space can you speak to that about the open space versus the words and the actual drawing is there I find meaning in that and often look to open space in artwork yeah that's something I mean it was kind of a new experience for me with this project because normally I had done very short form comics and so having the space to leave space empty was really lacking um it just was never available but but for this um you know, I, I think a lot about the connection between comics and poetry, in that you know the form the form is is as much the meaning as as the things in it, um, and uh, and so you know, I, I yeah, I think using, I mean, I guess one more example, when you write a paper, if you end half, you know, the paper ends halfway down the page, you can be done. Um, in a comic book, the, that halfway down the page means just as much as the rest of it. So your you know your gaps between things, your space around it, all that stuff is contributing meaning in and you know in that sort of embodied way. Like if I stand close to you versus me standing five feet away from you, those those have different meanings. Um, and I think you know I, I really wanted to explore that, and because it was a long form work, um, I, I had some of the space to let that to let it breathe some, and to let the empty space speak as much as some of the, the very dense space mm-hmm. i can imagine an embodied performance with your comics um oh, that'd be fun. up on stage <laughs> and then yeah we could do that <laughs> and bring that sounds good different spaces. i yeah, think we're creating good. our next collaboration here <laughs> I love uh, it. that sounds good as long as i'm not on stage that sounds fantastic I think Stephen. I, I don't know, Steve. Would you be willing to take part in that? <laughs> I would. Well, well, Nick. I was going to say that's a little bit like a teacher saying, "I'm not an artist. I can't draw." So we're going to challenge you to, you know, join us. Well, I didn't say I couldn't. I just said uh, anyway. Let's no, I, I, I'm no. drop this. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea, though. I think we should create this just to be yeah. continued. Um, Sounds good. I, I I'm realizing we never actually talked about the title of your book in case people are wondering the the title again is unflattening and i i was thinking a few moments back that there's no subtitle on your book and you said you know earlier that there was you know no um mention specifically around education or learning in the, the book itself and there was the description about um visual thinking and visual learning of, of what the book is about but no subtitle on it so it's just just the name unflattening Tell us about that concept and, you know, how that relates to what we've been talking about. I think we've been talking around the idea, but we we haven't named it specifically as you have in the book. Um, what does it mean and, and 
why that title on this on this book? Yeah, I, um, I can answer that. I'm not sure I can tell you exactly what it means. I, that's something I, I kind of, I mean, there is a definition in there, but that's also something I want uh, the reader to figure out what they think it means. Um, but the title, it, it came initially um, when I was doing my early work in school um, and sort of trying to articulate what comics did. Um, I really thought about them uh, as a way that you could make, uh, you could have more information in a space than it seemed possible. Um, and I thought in some sense that that was a way of making the space less flat than it would be in other ways. So you, you were able to do nonlinear, you're able to do tangential, you're able to do layers, um, multimodal. You, you, you had all these tools available to you to sort of expand what, how you represented your thinking in several dimensions. So that term was in my head for that. Um, I think in the book, it, it, the, the idea of flatland, which I was familiar with, um, quite familiar with, I, I had wanted to use it, um, and, and then it, it ended up becoming a really significant metaphor. And may, may I'll just explain it really quickly. For those who don't know, flatland is an 1880s uh, Victorian novella by Edwin Abbott, and it deals with the, the uh, two-dimensional creatures on this infinite flat plane, and they know how to move east and west and south and northwards, but they have no idea of upwards. They can't conceive of anything off the plane. And I think that became a, a founding question for me. Like, we, we can look down on them and say, oh, that's silly, but, but what about from looking from some other dimension at us? What, what, are the, what are the spaces we don't know how to step into and that we don't even know they're there to think about stepping into them? Um, what, you know, what are those other, other ways of thinking that aren't available to us and are outside of our experience? So, you know, I mean, so in some sense, unflattening is this metaphor for saying, you know, if we come at things from multiple perspectives, if we come at it from two eyes, if we come at it from image and text, if we come at it from uh, public uh, and academic discourse, if we come at it from, uh, uh, you know, multidisciplines, if we're talking about science and art on the same page or whatever it happens to be, you know, how does that expand our understanding of a thing or of an idea? Um, so it's really that really that idea that how do you know let's bring in many discourses to to look at our situations. You t you talk or you you write about and you also draw in response to many big social issues and um, complex issues, and I wonder if you can um, speak to that and. Um, how how that might look in the classroom or help people to visualize um, what one scene from a classroom where you're you're um, exploring a social issue through drawing. Can you give me just a tiny bit more guidance on that? Well, I I missed, I, I, I marked I marked a couple pages in your book, um, and yeah. one was um, where there's a marionette. And it starts to set ourselves free, and there's the there's the strings, and then we can't simply cut our bonds. It says, and the marionettes on the floor, and then we have to basically uh, we can't remove them because then we detach ourselves from everyone else. Is what I got out of it, and yeah. that which leads me back to community, which leads me to a lot of thinking around social issues and how that metaphor would fit in with looking at um, various issues in my own town and state and 
so forth. So that's and then all throughout the book, there's just a, a lot of your all the metaphors that look at different um, ways we can think about some of the big big issues we're dealing with today. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I have a great answer for that. I think in my case, because this is sort of, I mean, there's very much not a narrative in it. There's not a set of characters or there's no avatar for myself that's explaining it. Um, I'm very much forced from page to page and sometimes within a single page to find something that that does the idea for me, you know, that some visual that is the idea or, or some motion of, of, of ideas, um, of some motion of images that does the idea. So I don't know that there's a simple, uh, you know, I don't think I can even point to an example. I think each, you know, you, you guys asked about the time at the very beginning, and I think one of the hardest things for me is both what it is I'm going to draw, because I, you know, you know what what visual speaks to the kind of idea, and, and you could go in many different, you know, it's kind of unlimited. Um, mm-hmm. And how do you how do you have the the movement or the empty space or the however you're orchestrating that page, how do you have that capture the feeling you want to have? You know, how do you use, you're talking about separate or, or about isolation where they have a couple of sort of canyon scenes where the page sort of collapses on the, on the figure. Um, you know, how do you give the feeling that you're trying to give through the orchestration of the visual elements? I, I think that's the key. Um, I, I think that's more the key than what it is I actually draw. Um, if that makes sense. Well, in sense, I I myself am struggling with the fact that it is so complex. I mean, your book is just as uh, for my own personal process. So I imagine your students and in the classroom that they're struggling with that too when they sit down yeah. to to draw or to write out some words or whatever you know this combination of the dance, right. I think I think one of the best uh, one thing I use in my classroom and I think has been really in, instructive in my own thinking is a book called Picture This by uh, Molly Bang and basically she takes uh, she she narrates a little bit of Little Red Riding Hood and does it by using cutout shapes you know so Little Red Riding Hood is this red triangle and and the simplest example um, from there is you know if Little Red Riding Hood is this red triangle what should the mother look like. And, and she starts with the mother as a bigger red triangle, but, but the mother is then too dominant to the scene. So then uh, the mother becomes, I think, a red pear, pear shape. So the mother's got sort of curves and, and is a different kind of thing, but it's still mm-hmm. too dominant. And she ends up with a purple shape, um, a purple sort of, uh, again, uh, sort of eggplant shape. And, um, and that, you know, is related to the red of the triangle, um, and it has the right... It's big and has the motherly kind of aspects, but it's no longer as dominant. So, I mean, that's a really simple example, but I think thinking about such simple things as how we put two shapes next to each other and what their relationship is, um, I mean, that's an exercise I do in my classes where, like, you know, let's figure out a relationship between you and an institution, you and another person, some relationship, and, and do it with two shapes and how you put them next to each other that you've cut out from a piece of paper and I think that very basic, you know, when we think about drawing as orchestrating relationships in space rather than sort of the technical craft, I think it opens up what it can be. Um, and I don't know that I did enough of that sort of directly in my work. I tend to draw very classically or something. But um, but I think that, that sort of basic core of drawing, relationships in space, really opens it up to anyone. 
Great example. Thank you. In the last uh, 30 seconds or so, I, I know you had a daughter born right around the time you were finishing your, your dissertation and before the book was published. Yes. I'm wondering how her presence in your life has changed your work as an artist, as a comic artist, as a drawer. Mm-hmm. Yes, at all. Uh, I do less of it. Um, uh, <laughs> no, but I, I think mostly, I mean, I was anticipating her arrival, and I think, you know, this book is both dedicated to her, and also I think it's, it's, it's themed very much about, you know, we come into this world as very capable, uh, you know, very uh, creatures that are able to go so many different directions, and I, I wanted to make a work that, that sort of laid out what education could be as a, as a following of your curiosity rather than, than the answers in the back of the book with her in mind, with, with this, with this possibility in mind. Um, yeah, that's. Well, thank you. And I appreciate that with my, with my own now two year old. And, uh, yes, yes. Again, Mary, Mary Alice and I, uh, very much recommend the book. And every time I open it, I, I find, uh, new pictures and words and ideas, um, to what you just said about how education can be done. It's connected to following our, our curiosity, so we definitely recommend to our listeners to get their own copy of your book and, and read it and yes. think about it and share it. So, Nick, thanks so much for joining us today on Creativity and Play. Uh, Nick Susanis yes. is a comics artist, educator, and author of Unflattening. Our theme music is Kindergarten, composed and performed by Jonathan Batiste, and you can listen to this show and previous shows again and find more information about our guests and sign up to be notified about coming shows at creativityandplay.com and find Creativity and Play on Twitter, Facebook, and iTunes as well. Creativity and Play is a production of the International Center for Creativity and Imagination in partnership with the National Creativity Network. I'm Steve Dahlberg. And I'm Mary Alice Long. Let's continue the comic dance. Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much. Hashtag unflattening. <laughs>